0: Welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the Hockey History Podcast. My name is Riley. Over there is Bill.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: I'm doing good. How are you?
1: Doing great, thanks.
0: Uh, and today we have a a centers episode. Um, our eligible player is uh, Vincent Lecabalet. Um, Our recently, relatively recently inducted player, 2010, 2011, something like that, is Joe Neuendijk. And then our old timer is Jack Adams, who is more famous to... Uh, all of us for other reasons than his playing career, I would say, yes. um, but he was a coach. He was a GM. I believe he's the only person to have won a cup as a player, a coach and a GM in history.
1: That is. Um, correct.
0: And then he also has some various, uh, he is the coach, of the year award name after him. And I believe at one point, wasn't one of the divisions or
1: conferences named after him,
0: or yeah. was that a different Adams?
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure it was him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's famous. Yeah. It was the old North, I guess it's the Northeast now. Um,
0: yeah. So, uh, the, the reason he fits in with these guys might not seem apparent at first, but I feel like it's, it'll be apparent when we get there. Um, so we're going to start off with, uh, Vincent LeCavé, who played 17 seasons between 98 and 2016, who I think, I don't know about you, Bill, but I certainly felt like I, I, this is not a player I watched a lot of because he played in the Southeast for most of his career and the Southeast was mostly terrible. And so I only really ever saw him in the playoffs or on Team Canada. But who I know, I was very surprised at his, like, his drop-off. And I guess it's because I wasn't paying a lot of attention because he was hurt a lot. But, like, well, you know, it was, like, sorry.
1: He had that, um, his 2007 season. Yeah. Uh, I think was the 2006 was the one where he scored 50, I believe. No, it's 2007. 2007, yeah. So, like, after the lockout, he came back. Scored 50 goals. I mean, the Guy was one of the sort of best one centers in the game in terms of being able to control the game and score and do, sort of do everything. And then he he had a wrist injury, I remember. Um, and whatever he it was, I don't know if it was wrist tendons or he broke his wrist, but when he came back, he was absolutely never the same. Like he, he never ever came close to that again. And it's like he lost something off his wrist shot. Um, mm-hmm. so, happened to Claude Giroux a couple of years ago and he's kind of gotten it back, yeah. but not to the extent that he did before. Because I remember like there was that year where the Flyers beat the Penguins in the playoffs and people were like, Man, like he outplayed Crosby. Like he's yeah. the best player in hockey right now. And then that that summer he was playing golf and his golf club broke and like a piece of it went into his thumb or his one of his fingers. And his shot was just like nothing after that for a while. And then So what like, you're
0: saying is that it was an injury and not his coach calling him the best player in hockey that derailed his career briefly.
1: Yes. I would have completed yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a joke because of (laughs) course it was the injury. You idiots. Sorry. That is a response to media talking about Giroux being like not able to man up to his coach calling him the best player in hockey when he was injured. Like it's, uh, sorry, rant. Anyway, yeah, I I definitely think you're right. Uh, I don't. I didn't remember the Le Calais injury, but like when you look at his uh, his numbers, it's it's very clear, right? There's like a there's sort of like a period where he's fairly dominant, and then there's like this slight decline, and then there's just whoop off a cliff.
1: Right off a cliff, and it's, it's- and his, his
0: last year in Tampa is his last year. Uh, he's hurt. He doesn't play the even half the season. But it's the last season he's playing at anywhere near a point per game. And then like Philly and, and the Kings are just, you know, drak basically.
1: Yeah, well, they, they, I mean, they, they had to buy him out, right? Like, I mean, yeah. he became yeah. that, you know, you can't be making superstar money and you're not even producing, like not even close to a point a game. You just can't like, Yeah. You know, It was, you know, a lot of people I remember just saying, like, whatever happened to that guy? Like, he just, the NHL got too fast for him. And I'm like, he aged, but he also, like, if you feel like that injury plus a lot of other injuries he started getting, but especially that wrist injury, it's like, if you're a goal scorer and you lose that, like, little flick of the wrist that makes you, because the NHL is a game of, you know, inches, maybe even just centimeters, where the difference between putting a shot off the post and in, If it's five, you know, off the post and it works most of the time. But, like, if you're just shooting and you're scoring because you have a hard shot and then you take five or ten miles an hour off that shot, that's getting stopped, like, 90% of the time. Because you just don't have your velocity. So, I mean, a wrist injury, like, even uh, right now, Boston's got um, David Pasternak out. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I'm not a Bruins fan at all, but I do have him in my hockey pool and I'm very worried that his shot will never come back.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, "Uh uh-oh. To be like, you really can't shoot the puck anymore. Like, it's actually quite concerning. So, I mean, it's it's a delicate thing, right? And if you don't have that power in your hands or your wrists, and, you know, like they get so much torque, uh, like on a wrist shot, if you don't have that and you take away that big weapon, a really good comparison would be, and, um, well, probably only Canucks fans will remember this, but um, when Steve Moore elbowed Nasland in the head and he spun out, he actually ended up hurting his elbow too okay and he had that deadly wrist shot right from the half yeah. for most of his goals on the power play yeah. and i remember that year in the playoffs against calgary obviously bertuzzi's not in the lineup so it's naslin basically trying to carry the team on his back and he was taking slap shots from there and i'm like what is he doing i've never seen him take a slap shot in his life i'm like oh my god his elbows hurt he doesn't have the wrister anymore yeah. and his career like basically just fell right off a map too right after that so yeah. there's a lot of examples of it when the wrist shot is your weapon if you're if you get a, an arm injury of any sort be it elbow wrist shoulder whatever if you lose that velocity you're not going to be scoring from there anymore and that's very scary i think for anybody whose bread and butter is a wrist shot
0: yeah yeah absolutely and i'd 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 forgotten about that happening with le Cavier in part because well he was on tampa
1: yes yeah.
0: who i i hate for no real sensible reason but i do um <laughs> So first off, we're going to talk about his draft and his draft is one of those drafts where it it's really light at the top, but it turns it's one of those drafts where there's like, okay, there's like one, there's maybe one like definitive, definitive Hall of Fame player in in Datsuk. However, there are a ton of serviceable NHL players. Like there are, 15 or something who managed a thousand games Um, and another five or four that played 900. Um, And then like you go to 800 and we're talking about 20 something players, probably 700, we're talking about 25 players, you know, it's a good deep draft. It's just, there's one guy who's unquestionably in the hall of fame and the goalies are not great. Andrew Raycoft and, and Nidamaki being like the best goalies. Um, But it is a draft where, and it, it's weird to look because we've been talking about so many players from the '80s that when you look at you know the drafts, you see like six players with a thousand points or five players with a thousand points. This one doesn't have a single player with a thousand points, but of course it's the '98 draft. Yeah, and the first chunk of that of these players' careers was played before the lockout when it was a lot harder to score. But like, there's just like, I mean, there's just a ton of names that anyone who's been watching hockey in the last you know twenty years is gonna know. I mean, it's just endless. I mean, it goes on and on. I, I was like I was sort of skimming it like where does it stop the first name I don't remember. Yeah. And and I think it's like it's Blair Betts uh is the first guy I don't remember at four hundred and seventy seven games he was like fiftieth or something or fortieth or I don't know what it is everybody else I at least remember a little bit of like, there's a lot of guys here who are. Our,
1: that's I believe he, he may have even been a uh, one of the black aces when Calgary went all the way to the cup final. If, I know. Yeah. Like,
0: well, fair enough. I just didn't remember his name, but like, it took me that long to get to him. Um, you know, like it's, I mean, there's a lot of guys and even after that, there's a few people I've heard of. So
1: it's um. Yeah, it's, I, I think the fact that none of the guys have, like, massive would definitely be, you know, because, uh, like, a, a forward prime years are basically from 18 or 19 till they're 25. Yeah. Now, a little bit more of a modern NHL thing. Like, maybe you could have extended it up to, like, 28, 29 back in those days, but forwards typically peak before they're 30. Yeah. So, let's say, let's say they have 12 prime years if they come into the league ready to play. Uh, you know, six of those were played in the clutch and grab, and then they had a lockout for one of the years. So, I mean, their first seven years of prime productivity is in years where there's like, if anybody was pointing a game, you're like, that guy's an absolute superstar. How is he yeah. doing?
0: Yeah, like yeah absolutely. So, um, like Thornton, who we'll eventually talk about.
1: Him. Yes, yeah, we will eventually talk about Joe. Um, uh, whenever
0: he retires. <laughs>
1: if he retires. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's it's interesting to note about that draft, too. Um, I'm doing this completely mm-hmm. off memory because I haven't opened the draft because I'm on my phone. So I'm not to make it do too many things. Yeah. Uh, scratch out the uh scratch out my voice as we do all this. But um I do believe that year they drafted Vincent Le first overall and Brad Richards in the third round.
0: Yes. yes. So it was great, it was a great one for Tampa.
1: Oh, absolutely. They won the cup basically based on that draft.
0: Yes, yes. Right? I mean and 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 picking up a free agent. Uh <laughs> Amateur free agent who Calgary had waived um, as well. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, they got like, they basically got out of this draft, they got 1,800, 1,900 points. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's career that does, not you know, some yeah. of that, especially with Brad Richards was mm-hmm. not on the Lightning. But um, yeah. Uh, so um, just, just to, it, it's also a very interesting one because we talked a lot over the over these episodes about like how scouting has changed and stuff and just to show you how things are not they're still not it's still in an exact science or an art more than a science listen these are the top scorers in this draft by draft by draft position the cavalier is number one brad richards is number two at 64th datsuk at number three at 171st, though, of course, if you do it by points per game, he's first, because he played way fewer games than either of those guys. Uh, tange at 12th, Ribeiro at 45th, Gomez at 27th, and only then you have Legwand at 2nd. And then you have Gagne at 22nd, Gianta at 82nd, Mike Fisher at 44th, Andre Markov at 162nd, Eric Cole at 71st, Sean Horkoff at 99th. It takes me another six players to get to the number three overall pick. Now that's Brad Stewart, wow, that's a fair... uh, and he played yeah. a long oh, time, but the yeah, point that's being that's... that, um, if you redrafted this, you know, if you could do a hindsight draft, <laughs> the order would be very, very different. <laughs> like,
1: the... you know what? It's, it's interesting. We, we was, but he took a very long time to develop yeah. or at least the red Wings very carefully and slowly. Um, Maybe that's because he didn't have the draft pedigree for them to just throw him in, in NHL. If you're going to take Prime Datsuk and Prime Cavalier, it's it's like you. I think you'd have to think about it a bit. And we all know how great Datsuk well, we'll was for his entire. But for for if you just take Le Cavalier's peak years, like they're they're both excellent. Like
0: I I don't I don't set. agree with that. But we'll <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk about that <laughs> in a minute. Um,
1: more of a Le than you are then. Sorry? I said I must be much more of a Le Cavalier fan than you are. Because I obviously that's um but I think Le Cavalier you know made have any coursey stats for him. Um,
0: his his Mike, is not good, by the way. Just oh, so no. you
1: know. yeah, but I mean like when are we starting to look at it too?
0: You <laughs> know Yeah, no, uh it's it's definitely it begins in his peak. Or sorry, it begins right at it uh the year after his very best year.
1: Yeah, so it's like it's basically his downfall. <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, oh, fair enough. Yeah. Um but anyway, um so we move on to the era. Um he he's actually uh so this is this is why this is one of the reasons why I don't agree that they're even remotely close, Pavel Datsyuk and La Calvier. If you look at Le Calvier in his era, of the fifty players to play at least a thousand games over that period, he is fifth in goals. He is 17th in assists, 17th and 10th in points. Datsuk was not that low on any of those, and especially points uh, per game stats was much higher, um, yes. at least in assists per game goals. He would be lower, but uh, basically he's, he's by point shares, he's the 15th best player over that period, 11th best forward. That's not Hall of Fame to me. Really? Um. That's and
1: I don't know, maybe I don't know.
0: Sixty-four points per eighty-two games, and yes, that's affected by when he played, but like that's a well-off point per game. That's over.
1: Tampa was also kind of trashy until they finally yeah. became.
0: I I admit that I I understand that I just I'm not sure I'm not sure it's here, and I mean there's more to talk about, but like I really I just don't, and we'll we'll get to that. Um, his playoffs, uh, 56 points in 75 games, which is really
1: solid, especially yeah, considering yeah. for the area. Yeah,
0: it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that for the era. It's also, uh, roughly exactly the same as, his uh, his regular season average, right? Like 64 points in 82 games, 56 and 75. That's really close. Um, his, as I said, his course, and Fenwick is bad it's yeah. both below average and it's also bad relative to his teams but as bill said yeah, um, that is for the second half of his career from 27 to 35 yeah. um and uh they had a but he only had three years in in all of those years where he was average in terms of yeah. possession um weirdly dotted out like throughout the end of his career like his last season he's Slightly positive, of course, though terrible relative to the rest of the Kings who were, you know, very good at that at that point. Um, we He has one trade uh, because he, uh, you know, he was the fran- one of the franchise players for the Lightning for a while. I think he was meant to be the franchise player. And then when they realized how good San Louis was, you know, you could have easily said San Luis is the franchise player, but Calvary is the one who was drafted first overall, right? And San Luis had literally zero hype coming into the NHL. So, um, but like between the two of them, back like the, he was.
1: Back, back in those days, I mean, you you can count them on one hand. Like just there's like him and Theo Fleury, and like what, maybe two other. Now there's a lot of little guys. You got, you know, uh, yeah. Patrick. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau uh, Brandon Gall- little uh, Brad Marchand like he's not the biggest guy in the world those guys can play in the NHL now because of the speed and their elusiveness like yeah. I think I think some of those guys still would have eventually made the NHL and been good players yeah. would they have been the opportunity that they get now I really don't think so yeah um, just the old school hockey mentality was like, like I'm not even kidding there were people like you know you'd be You'd score uh, 140 points in junior and be a tiny little guy. People would be like, "Uh, maybe we take him in the fifth round yeah, once yeah. we score list. And, you know, you get like the uh, same thing with a guy like uh, Ray Ferrero, You know, he scores 400 and something goals in the NHL. Tiny little guy, everybody's like, ah. And it's like you, you had to fight through this, like, prejudice against – like, if you're under six feet, people basically said, forget it. You're not making it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Now we're just getting to the point where – it doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter at all for forwards anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's more like the weight and how sort of like stocky they might be to be able to withstand the. The but basically it's like if your skating's good enough you're making it if you're a forward. Yeah. But for defensemen now it's finally starting to change where you can be under six feet. And they're like, yeah, he moves the puck really well. I should probably take a look at him. Like, yeah, he's gonna get. Yeah. Kind of, boy, he can make that first pass. So it's it, like the game's evolving completely. But in the old days it was like. Every defenseman was minimum six two, 200 pounds. Yeah. Every forward was minimum six feet, 190 pounds. Like that's just the way it was. Well,
0: and and related to our topic today, it, it's interesting you br- bring that up because of course Le Calais and San Louis are a perfect example of that. Le Calais is much more the traditional forward, right? Like he's six four, he was two fifteen, according to hockey reference. Okay. You know? And uh and like and Saint Louis was what, 5'8"? I think if memory serves five five nine
1: five, nine on the charts. But I bet you like, it's always like those things. The NHL team's like, he's five, eight and a half. Be like, yeah, Man. they do
0: the same thing in basketball where they like, add, like they measure them in sneakers or something.
1: It's, It'd be like, yeah, when he's wearing his skates, maybe you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But the thing is, of course, and you may, you may disagree, but I, as we talked about in our San Luis episode, to me, he was a slam dunk. Oh yeah. And that that indicates how much the league has changed because, or was changing while these guys were in the league. Because I don't, as you as you already heard, I don't think LeCavalier is a slam dunk at all. And to me, San Luis was just like absolutely. Now he has way more like he has different awards and better and more awards than Le Cavalier does for one thing. I,
1: but um, I think to to me the difference between the two of them is that um, LeCavalier was a shoot first center. Yeah. Um, which those guys typically don't pick up as many assists as most centers, and in yeah. because because of their sort of unique skill sets, um, it, it ended up being meshed. St. Louis was kind of the distributor from the wing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, St. Louis still scored his fair share of goals. I think he scored like forty one year. Yeah, um, he did. But but like LeCavalier was the guy you wanted to get him the puck in the slot so he could just you know wire it into the net, yeah. and that's sort of what he did. And it was before. It was before one timers, except for you know, Brett Ho excluded, yeah. one took over the entire NHL and that's like the only way you scored from <laughs> anywhere below the dots, basically, unless you're you know, like there's a few guys now of like the classic wrist shot, but like it's all one timers most of the time, you know, if you just get it on net hard and fast, it might go in kind of thing. So it's it's and all well, I think the overall skill level of the NHL has also like improved exponentially since yes. so, um, you know, there used to be maybe uh, 20 guys in the league who could do that stuff. And now it's like a minimum of three or four guys per team who can do stuff like that. And you're, unless you're, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but the skill level I think has gone way up because people have watched. I, and I think technology has a lot to do with this. You get to, you can go and watch someone score a goal or like the drill Patrick Kane does. So they all start doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have this trade. It's not very exciting because of who it involves. But the um, Cavalier was traded in the last year of his career uh, when he was 35. His 35 year season, uh, age 35 season. I mean, for Luke Shen who was 26 and Jordan Wheeler who was 23 and a third round pick who is yet to play it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not great haul for uh, Philly. On the other hand, um, the Cavalier off. was also done basically. Um, and actually, this is like totally off topic, but I just wanted to mention something. So the pick was in the 2016 draft. So the reason why I didn't say the pick was a bus is three, two and a half years ago, three years ago. It's possible the guy eventually plays a game in the NHL, but um, it's a little. Oh, it's getting a little late now. Anyway, well, well, um, who was it uh, Carson Twarinski?
1: Never heard of him. Before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is unfortunate because it'd be nice if it was like a name but like, oh, he might be good. I'm, yeah. Uh, what, what what round was it? Fifth? Sixth? Third? Third, really,
0: wow. So they got three assets for one, but they got you know the prime of that was Luke Shen, who by then was. So I have to do a mea culpa. Um, when the Luke Shen James Van Riemsdyk Van trade happened, I just ripped into the lease for it, <laughs> and I was one hundred percent wrong. And I wanted to bring it up just because a, I, it's on the internet, and you can find it and see how <laughs> stupid I've been. If if anyone is doing that, that it,
1: podcast ends and ridicule you.
0: <laughs> yeah. But also it I I think it's illustrative, at least for me, it's illustrative of how I didn't understand the game was changing. Yeah. Because for me, when Luke Shen first came in the league, mm-hmm. he he was 18 and he he was big. He was a little slow, more than a little slow. He was slow, but he was big and he had a degree of skill that you didn't recognize him until you see, you saw him do something. He would occasionally do something. He's a very conservative player, but like occasionally he would do something. You're like, Jesus, you actually have talent. You just don't use it very often.
1: Yeah.
0: And I thought these guys are roughly the same age. They're same draft. One's a defenseman. Who's going to be playing more minutes. And the other is just a winger who at that point in his career had only scored like 30 goals once, I think. Yep. And, it was one of those seasons where he had, like, 30 goals and, like, 48 points or 50 points. Like, he had no assists. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Jesus, what are we doing? We're trading a, like, minimum top four defenseman for a guy who, you know, lucked in the 30 goals once. <laughs> I didn't realize that, like, it's Van Rien's, like skill that was the one that is, like, translating into the game. And Shen just is too damn slow. And he's still playing.
1: Barely. I mean, Vancouver acquired him, and uh, yeah.
0: Well, he was still playing until Vancouver acquired him, I guess. But he was still playing last year, anyway.
1: <laughs> no, no, we we acquired him for oh, I can't remember. We moved him for something, and uh, if I thought about, it, I probably remember. But it was like an inconsequential sort of trade. I think it was what was it? it was Michael Dell's auto. I think. Oh, okay. Um, and I think we acquired Shen just so he could help the AHL team. Yeah. And then uh, we ended up like calling him up and he played a couple of games and people were like, yeah, he's better than good Branson. And they were saying all kinds of like, just cause they hated good Branson so much. Yeah. Like they're like, yeah, I guess he's an NHL, but like our defense is putrid. So if he can't make our defense, he is.
0: Yeah, not. no, no. And, and a lot of this is just, he's just too slow. He
1: yeah. can't
0: skate. And, and I always wondered like if he was born 10 years earlier, I think he would have had a quite well, 15 years earlier, call it. Yeah. I think he would have had uh, a bit of a career because he was much he was such a traditional defenseman mm-hmm. and it, and when he first that first year in the league I remember watching him thinking, like oh this guy's going to be really good and then the league just passed him by and whereas James Van Riemsdyk, whose skill is tipping the goal uh t- tipping the puck into the goal from right in front of the goalie you know he has I mean that's his his biggest skill is like garbage goals and stuff around the front of the net that's still a, a thing it's very valuable and he, he can skate so it was like it was like a I guess it was a referendum on like old school versus not old school but like transcendental school I guess you could say uh school uh, thing that worked before and still works and I was totally apparently on the old school side and was totally wrong and it's so at this point shen was a spare you know I don't know what the king saw they were getting in him uh, or sorry, the Flyers thought they were getting in him, but uh, you know, he was essentially a spare part yeah. in the trade. Anyway, Just, I just wanted to bring that up because like, I was a big Luke Shen fan, and I thought the reason he wasn't progressing was not because the game was changing, but it was because the Leafs were mismanaging him as they would mismanaged everybody for dec- a decade at that point. But it was more just the league just changed, and it was just too hand flow. And so anyway.
1: Well, you know what? If it makes you feel any better, then you can and this is going to really sting for Flyers fans, you can sort of think about how that went for them. Um, They finished dead last in the league that year. Yeah. Chicago finished fifth to last, but won the draft lottery. They drafted Patrick Kane. (laughs) Philadelphia drafted James Van Riemsdyk and then traded him for Luke Shen. So their number two overall pick, which should have been number one overall, instead of being Patrick Kane.
0: Turned into Luke Shen, eventually.
1: Luke Shen eventually... And Patrick Kane scored the goal to beat them for the cup. I mean, like, yeah. how poor could it sting, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. i, I had forgotten about that. That's quite funny.
1: No wonder they lost. I'd be mad too, even though they yeah. totally that like twenty years before that draft. <laughs>
0: but the other thing is Van Riemsdyk came along very slowly, and that's why they got rid of him initially, right? Is yeah. because he was he was not playing a lot for them.
1: No, he really wasn't. Yeah.
0: And then that's what the other reason why I was skeptical of the trade was because, like, I was like, Van like doesn't play a lot. Are we, this guy's better than Luke Shen. And then it turned out he was much better than Luke Shen. <laughs> So, oh, well. Anyway, back to the Calier. Uh, that trade was, uh, I, I mean, I don't know that anyone wins that trade. The Kings got 42 games of the Calier when he was uh, not good. And the Flyers got Luke Shen and a guy that I – I don't really uh, Jordan Wheel. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. I totally screwed this up. It was McAvoy and Shen. Uh-huh. That makes more sense for whoever Jordan Wheel was, which is much worse for Philly. Yeah. Um I, that makes more sense because I was like, I swear Shen was on Philly yeah. first and then the Kings, but I'd like read it wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. So that was an awful trade for Philadelphia. Yeah. Well because
1: Jordan Wheels still in the NHL
0: he he is,
1: but... Well, I, um, I think Philly was just dumping his contract at that point, so...
0: Yeah. He's just... Jordan Wheel plays, like, between five and 70 games a season, depending on the season.
1: Oh, I'm aware, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, in but, yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, bad trade, but it doesn't matter. It has no real impact on anything. The, the draft obviously did more. Um, so, uh, the other thing, so the uh, Calvary has won two awards, the the Rocket Richard um, in 07 and then the King Clancy in 08. Um, He's top five in heart voting once, and he was a top ten player by point shares once. And This is where I, again, disagree with the like who's better, Datsuk. Datsuk had way... I, I don't have it in front of me, but Datsuk had way more um, offensive player like Top offensive player things. I think it was more like uh, four or five years rather than two years that he was good relative to the rest of the league. And also, he was a way, 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 way better defensive player.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's like uh, I, th- I think you're looking at maybe uh, top five, top ten, all time defensive player. Uh,
0: at forward, yeah.
1: At forward, yeah. Well, that's what I mean, though. Like, yeah. Defensive.
0: So, you know, a lot of people when players people don't when players if you don't like a player who's go, uh, forward who's going in the hall of fame, it's a, a cliche thing to be like, he had one good year. Yeah. But I think with Lecavalier, you can honestly say he had two great years yes. total. Yeah, And so that to me again, is another reason why this guy is not a hall of famer. He had two great years. One of which was significantly better than the other. He's a second team all-star once the rest of his, his, Accolades aside from the Richard and Clancy are like monthly stars, weekly stars. I just don't, I just don't see it like at all to me. He's, he's, I can, I can see personally, I can see a a precedent has been set with certain guys being in the hall where he could be inducted, but I wouldn't put him in. He had his peak is short.
1: Yeah. It
0: is. It's really short.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I think I've, I've sort of established this um, many times, but if, if a guy trails off due to injury, I'm willing to give him a lot more leeway saying, like, you know, I think he could have continued to do that for a few more years had that. Yeah. Injury
0: I'm normally with you.
1: It was the cliff that he fell off of the minute he hurt that wrist. Like he was just never the same. And I'm like, Oh, that sucks. Cause he's, he was still a useful player for years, but like his, 50 goal 40 goal potential is just like new he's going to score you 25 and like all those wristers that used to go in are getting stopped now like he's just not going to score from there maybe i just have sympathy for him like i don't know that they want to put him in the hall necessarily but i'm like i he could have been a hall of famer let's say he gets five more years of scoring 35 40 goals a year
0: and, I would, I would put him in if he had yeah. another. He he has thirty five goals three times. If he had eight times, I would absolutely put him in the Hall of Fame.
1: And that's that's the thing I'm saying is like I feel like he could have done that if he hadn't gotten hurt. There's no yeah. way you can know that, right? So, yeah. But I, I I would say that if you're if you're not gonna put him in, I think you have to at least acknowledge that yeah the injury derailed him and, you know, ha- had he done it more times previously off <laughs> the cliff. I would make a, like a for sure argument of like, no, this guy was brilliant. Well, that's the thing. not do it anymore. It's like, he, he, he was really good. Like, but would his peak have continued that many more years? I don't know. Like, but
0: that, that's exactly the thing. I'm normally with you on the injury thing. You know, we talked about Bure last episode. And, you know, players like that who were absolutely, Burry's maybe too good at an example. But, like, the players who were dominant before their injuries, I want those guys in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But Cavalier wasn't dominant until, like, it took him a while to get there. He got there in his late 20s, which is off, you know, which is not normal. Right? Well, it's later than...
1: For a power forward kind of is normal, and I would say... Yeah,
0: that that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. But then, you know, his peak, he... This is a guy who had two better than point per game seasons in his entire career yeah. two just mm-hmm. two yeah. that's i know i know we're talking about an era and by the way both of those happened after the lockout okay. so yes th- some of this has to do with the game but there were people who were capable of scoring a point per game yeah. prior to the lockout um You know, like people we've talked some people we've talked about, some people we're going to talk about in the future, but like Yager and and Aginla and Korea, Solani, you know, like I just, I don't see it. So one other thing to talk about before we move on to Neuendijk is the great teams. Yes. And this is, again, where I, I feel like his case is lacking. He had one tournament, international tournament, the World Cup in 2004, where he was the best player. And he was so good, in fact, that it got him put on 2006 Olympic team where he wasn't good, uh, even well, though he was getting better in the NHL.
1: To be fair, nobody was good on that. No, no, that
0: is true. But like, it's worth <laughs> noting that by ice time, he and points, he was uh, he wasn't even a a top line player when they won the cup in 2004. Wow. Yeah. So. That to me says something
1: well I, I think it's more a testament to the fact that Brad Richards went absolutely bonkers.
0: yeah uh, well Brad Richards did have a good career but like 16 points in 23 games in 2004
1: yeah but I mean that minus makes...
0: two Who... we Who... haven't even talked about Lecavier's career minus, which is the worst of his era minus 130 something or other. Wow. He... I just I just don't like I don't uh, I just I cannot be convinced. Modine Frederick he was outplayed by Frederick Modine in the in the playoffs that year in both in terms of points and Modine was playing I don't know which line because I feel like I I feel like the and Lecalve sometimes play together but if you go by points and ice time Modine had a better playoff nineteen points to Lecalve is sixteen and Modine was playing uh almost twenty one minutes a game Lecalve was playing nineteen
1: was he uh, was Modine playing with Brad Richards maybe that uh,
0: presumably be- yeah yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying Modine is a better player. Yeah. I'm saying he had a better playoff. Yeah,
1: well, and
0: yeah. if if Brad this is a Hall of Fame player, that shouldn't have happened.
1: Brad Richards turned into you know Mario Lemieux for half the playoffs. No,
0: like. I, I I get that. I get that. That is not like yeah. I'm not saying. like, I understand there are weird circumstances here, yes. but
1: it's it's not that LeCalve was not the best player on his team so much as Brad Richards played out of his mind. <laughs> well
0: Saint Louis was better than Le I, I'm I'm not granting that. Like right. I, I don't like Saint Louis. Like I, I'm not a fan of Saint Louis. Saint Louis is a better player than Monsanto Le Cavier.
1: How many how many points did uh, Saint Louis have in that
0: play? 24. Eight more than in the same number of games.
1: Okay.
0: Fair point. Richards had 26, San Louis had 24, Modine had 19, Le Cavier had 16. Hmm. Ruslan Fedotenko had 14, so did 40-year-old Dave Andrichuk. They had two points less than Le Cavalier while playing way, way less. Now, obviously, Le Cavalier faced stiffer competition.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think. I'm like, maybe Le Cavalier is their guy to just like, you know, we're not necessarily going to score, but they're not going to score. On well, the other year.
0: thing is, Corey Stillman was like, was, I think, the point leader that year. Wow. And then he just had a terrible playoff. And it might have been that Le Calvé and Stillman were on the same line. I don't remember. And that definitely would have hurt him if yeah. Stillman just fell up off a cliff, right?
1: I remember watching because Still- round one that year because they were playing the Habs. And I have a yeah. lot of friends. And they were like, oh, we're going to kill them. It's Tampa Bay. They play in the Southeast. I'm like, have you guys seen them play yet this year? Because I've watched them a few times. They had like 100 points. They're really good. Yeah.
0: They were very good that year.
1: And Hulk Hogan did the intro, and I'm like, you guys are dead. There's no way you're winning now.
0: Stillman, actually, I was wrong. Uh, San Luis, of course, led the team in points, but Stillman was second. But then he fell off a cliff in the playoffs. Like He had like seven points in the playoffs. I
1: wonder if he got hurt or something. I don't remember. But he missed only two games. Yeah,
0: But he was, like, if you look at the ice time, it was like San Luis and Richards played an absolute ton. And then... Modine, so that, that looks roughly to be a line. And then LeCave, uh, Andrew Chuck, and Corey Stillman. Anyway, the point is he is not the best player by any means on this championship. And the and the other year that they went to the they went to the conference finals, he had a better season, actually. I don't know who whether he's playing with Stamkos or St. Louis. He had a better. But like this is a guy who had very little playoff success. Relatively, he has a cup, but like aside from the cup, he has very little playoff success, and he has one international tournament where he's an MVP. Man, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I just
1: Edison, I, I think his excellence either goes on for long enough or, or is great enough for you to just say, "Yeah, got to be in." I, I I tend to agree with you. I want to. I really want to make a case for him, but I don't think he can. Uh,
0: He's, like uh, I think you, we can both, if we if we went back through all the Hall of Famers, which we are eventually going to do, depending on how our enthusiasm for this, um, <laughs> I think we could find guys who are in the Hall right now who are less good than Vinny Calier. Hmm. I'm yeah. pretty confident, but in in your spirit of trying to induct people who should belong, you know, in a in a perfect world Hall of Fame, I I can't do it
1: in a perfect and, hall of fame I, I, I don't think I'd consider him but yeah. in the hall of fame the way it is now I can I, I I you know what I want to and I think it's just because I remember him being a fierce competitor yeah. Being you know uh the number one center on a on a team that you know uh, won a cup that I, I especially remember that world cup performance
0: yeah uh, well, he was amazing he was amazing in that world cup
1: yeah he was like at his peak right so yeah. uh, there was a very short time where he was one of, let's say, the top five players in the NHL, potentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms, of, especially mm-hmm. like his, uh, oh, I'm going to start sounding like an old hockey guy, like his on ice presence of, like, oh, the Cavaliers out there. We better get our, you know, our bet yeah. out against him because he can do some damage kind of thing. And he was big. He was a big man. You know, he's really hard. He's to- quite big. Yeah. And
0: he's, my, he's slightly bigger than me.
1: Yeah. And I mean, in, in, in those days, being able to hold the guy, you know, hold on to the puck while the guys trying to push you in a legitimately sought after skill cuz the game was very ugly like below the below the ears it was just basically if you can fight off this guy who's trying to pin you to the board slash tackle you then you're going to be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. It was a lot of that stuff, you know. And and you know maybe maybe I sort of romanticize it a little bit cuz I remember it, at the end of game five, he and Aginla fought, right? And it was like yeah. two best players on each other's teams. Yeah. Two captains, and they're just going toe-to-toe punch. And Aginla and could fight, eh? And and like, like have held his own with him? Yeah. That was pretty darn impressive. Um, but, you know, I, I think you're right. I think maybe he doesn't belong. But that fight with Aguinla is a nice little segue that we can do into the Neuendijk one because yes. New was for Aginla.
0: Yes, he was. Good call on the segue. Thank um, you. and before we get into this or maybe it's relevant actually to one of the early things So I'll just say that when we get to it. So um, Joe new and Nick uh, Oh, we should do our final thoughts or I guess that was our final verdict on him, right? Well, I think we're both yeah, I thought we were gonna disagree and then we like eventually agree so. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Um so, uh, Janu, he played, uh, for 20 seasons between 86 and 2007. So he came back for a little while after the, uh, uh, after the lockout and 18 of those were quality, uh, when he retired, he was 19th all time in goals and he's now 23rd. Cool. Um, he is slightly under a per game though, uh, be- partly because a uh, whole chunk of his career was spent playing in, uh, the dead puck era. I have mistakenly more than once on the playoffs claimed that Neuwendijk was not drafted. Um, apparently, once upon a time, someone said that on the radio or on TV, and I took it as gospel, and I never looked it up until this week. <laughs> and then I looked it up, and I was like, no, he was drafted 27th overall in 1985. Whoops. Whoops. So in a couple of our conversations I think about Adam Oates and also about San Luis, about undrafted players, I said Neuendijk is one of the best undrafted players in NHL history I was full shit okay. That's not true, he was drafted in 1985 by the Flames 27th overall
1: That's a good pick
0: uh, Is a very good pick because it turns out that he was one of the best players in his draft. By point shares, he is the second best player in his draft um after who oh after Sean Burke. Um who uh because he's a goalie point shares her. so he's the best he's the best skater, basically. The draft, his, New Index draft is uh not great. It's uh there's depth like Le Cabalet's draft, but it's um it's not as good depth. The is that,
1: is that the year that Brian Lawton went first overall?
0: I think that's earlier, but let me check. Wendell Clark. Wendell Clark. So there are six players to play a thousand games. Yeah. Newendike, Buchberger, Weinrich, Kelly Johansson, Johansson, Dave Manson, and Frederick Olesen. That's the quality we're talking about. Serviceable players, but like Newendijk is the guy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, In terms of points, it's Newendijk with a. Uh, 1,100, and then it's Ulf Dahlen with 655. That's the next guy on the list. Larry is the Hall of Famer, but, like, the other Hall of Famer, but, of course, he was old. Um, You know, like, that Hall of Fame award is at least in part mostly due to his international career, right? So this is not a good draft. It is, uh, like, here's the top five in points. Newendike, Dolan, Larianov, Derek King, and Olsson. Wendell Clark doesn't make the top five because he's not as good as all these fans, except for me. I think <laughs> uh, it's worth pointing out. Anyway, uh, like that's this is not a good draft. Yeah, it's also a terrible draft in terms of just like just like the Cavalier draft. Here's the top five in terms of draft position: twenty seventh, seventh, two hundred fourteenth. 13th and 81st. Wow. Whoops. Wendell yeah. Clark is six at, at number one.
1: That's, uh, that's a lot of misses.
0: Now, Craig Simpson was number two, and he, of course, his career was derailed by injuries. Yes. Like Wendell Clark's was. So, you know, the first two guys are like, you could put asterisks there, but number three is like, he played, the third overall player played 700 games and scored 173 points. So it was a bad draft. Um, is, I think, hands down the best player in the draft. I, I don't think there's any debate. I mean, you can talk about Larianov, but the thing is, Larianov was old, right? Like, his NHL career was as a defensive forward. Yeah. And I don't think anyone, no one is going to get in a fight over like Newendijk's better than Larianov, NHL version of Larianov. I don't think anybody's going
1: to be upset about
0: that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's controversial. Um, so. Here we get into a bit of a theme with Le Calvier and Jack Adams. Uh, and this is this is where maybe hot take Riley is going to show up a little bit. <laughs> um, so, uh, in his era, Neuendijk was 7th in goals, 23rd in assists, 17th in points. 11th in point shares, like Le Calvier, 11th best forward, 17th best player overall by point shares for 1,250 games between 85 and 2007. That's not super impressive. Man. And it's worth, so we should point out that though he never even got top five Selkie voting, a huge chunk of the narrative as to why New induction should be in the Hall of Fame was around his defensive ability later in his career, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was worth noting that those are offensive statistics and at least a lot of people thought he was... Uh, a star defensive player later in his career, including myself. Um, and also we don't have possession stats because he retired the year before they started tracking them, but they would have been bad because he was 41 yes. when they started tracking them. So his possession stats, if he had played in 2008 would have been yeah. shitty because he was 41 years old. Um, his 82 game average is better than the Calvary's. It's uh 74 points in, in 82 games. Uh, we first mentioned the Calvary is adjusted, which is that it's ba- the it, Calvary is helped significantly by an error adjustment to 71 points. Neuendijk, I believe, is exactly the same. Okay, It doesn't affect him because he played like half his career in high scoring, half his career in low scoring. Yeah. Um, his his uh, playoff numbers are 116 and 158. And given that he uh, played a lot of his career in – Especially a lot of playoff games in the clutch and grab era, that's pretty good. Um sixty-six goals is nineteenth all time in the playoffs. Wow. So well, you know,
1: again, another goal
0: scoring goal Yeah, yeah is assists are not there at all. It's just like the which is why it's another way they're they're sort of relevant. Um so we have trades, two trades. The one trade you mentioned, Bill and then a second trade, uh, a really a fairly big one. But the first one, he was 29, and he was traded for Corey Millen, who was 31, and Jerome McGinnla who is, of course, 18 and hadn't yet played in an NHL game. I think certainly there's a tendency for some of us, especially those of us who saw more of McGinnla than Neuendijk, to say that the Flames won that, but, of course, the Stars won a cup.
1: Exactly.
0: So I think that's I think it works, yes. I and mean, I think it was a. You if,
1: know, if you believe in video replay being wrong sometimes, if they didn't
0: want a cup, yeah.
1: yeah, the Flames kind of want a cup too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. If it really, if, <laughs> if, if if the world was a a better place, the Flames would have won a cup, and the Stars wouldn't have won a cup, or at least the, yeah. the Stars game would have kept going yes. until it was decided in a better in a better way. So, the, yeah, that's actually, that's a good point. That's a sort of
1: alternative history. Yeah.
0: They could have looked very different, right?
1: Eh? Really could have, yeah.
0: Yeah, if 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 the Flames win in two thousand four and the Stars don't beat the Sabers, then uh, then this trade looks a little more lopsided for the Flames.
1: But then, but then maybe the Stars the next year go and beat the Devils because they have more drive to win because they're not, yeah. Good all you
0: know, also a good point. yeah. Anyway, it's a pretty even trade, right? You're giving up someone at twenty nine who you'd think maybe doesn't have that many years left, but ended up playing for another 11 years yeah. and you get uh, the, the best player. Well, the best forward anyway, probably the best player, depending on your opinion, McInnes, um, in franchise history yeah. back. And on the other hand, Dallas gets their second line center
1: yeah.
0: and, uh, uh, and has more depth and is, and goes to two finals like pretty soon afterwards. Right.
1: And and what's what's crazy is too. You look at that Dallas team. They get Joe Newendike as their second line center. Yeah, and they're like, they're barely like, they're just ever so slightly able to clutch and grab uh, the Avalanche or the Red Wings just enough to sneak by them with those players. That's how stacked those teams were. Because it wasn't like today where you can't keep because there was no salary cap. You could just yeah. look up one year and say like, yeah. yeah Seven, 70 million dollar team and then we'll trade off one of the guys in the offseason if you know if we lose in the first round we'll just we'll get our money back by trading them kind of thing you know like teams could really load up those teams were those three teams at that point were so damn good like it was ridiculous how good they were and yeah. they used to take huge pieces out of it I, to my feeling every time one of those teams lost in the cup final it was like oh yeah you got a huge piece taken out of you in the the western final used to basically yeah. like,
0: yeah. I, I think that's well, I mean, obviously the younger listeners, maybe it's not well known, but I think it was well established, especially in those years with like the Capitals and the Panthers in the final Yes, where it was just the Western final was the final. Yeah. And I then you had to do a mop up thing, you know, and, and the difference was when the Devils, right. The Devils were the Eastern conference team that
1: could was do the it. only
0: one that challenged that until the lightning came along.
1: And I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, if you look at it, it's really been a West-dominated league for twenty, what, yeah. twenty up until the last maybe two or three. Yeah, like even like I remember uh, watching uh, Chicago and LA, and LA won Game Seven in overtime. I'm like, ah, oh, they just won the cup. Like, there's no way the other team's gonna beat them. <laughs> They're totally gonna win. Yeah, like, yeah. West final was the final.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and 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 like that I think <laughs> it was especially true back back when Noondike was in his prime. Oh yeah, as a two-way player, you know, it was like. It was absolutely, like, Dal- the best teams in the league were the Red Wings, the Avalanche, and the Stars. Yep. And everyone knew it. Even if if the uh, standings didn't always completely reflect that, um, you know, the the Eastern Conference teams just just didn't have the same kind of medal, for lack of a better word. Um, the second trade is is a crazy one. Uh, Neuendijk at 35 with Jamie Langenbrunner, who was only 26, for Jason Arnott, who was only 27, which I thought he was older than that. Randy McKay, who was ancient, and a first-round pick. And this was, of course, the Devils' attempt to stay relevant, despite the fact that they traded for a 35-year-old Dyke. And it worked. Yep. <laughs> they, of course, went and won another cup with yep. Neuendijk playing third-line minutes, um, but uh, clearly being an upgrade on on Arnon Langhammer in some way, because they went and won a cup in Dallas, of course, never won again. Um, And it's fascinating because Newendek was, of course, quite old by that point. He was uh, for a hockey player; he was thirty-five.
1: The thing that might be shocking for the the young uh, the young listener out there, if there are any of them, um, at this point, I assume they've given up on Uh, us. But the the thing was, back in those days, that like veteran know-how of learning how to win in the playoffs, and it's like. If you had the ref's respect, you got away with more. And since he'll yeah. grabbing, like something that'd be called a penalty because you hauled a guy down at the blue line. If you're Joe Newendike, you've been in the league for 15 years, at least 15 years. You haul that guy down, like, eh, I'm not going to throw the arm up. It's Joe Neuendijk.
0: Yeah,
1: if You're, uh, you know, some 20-year-old kid. Oh, that's getting called every time. Yeah. You that respect with the refs. That doesn't happen in the league anymore. They just... I mean, it does sometimes, depends on the player, but like, you know, star players still get star calls. But back then, it was like veteran players get calls. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was very different. Um, so, uh, I, Neuendijk must have been... And, you know, you take a guy who's still a very capable second-line center and you make him your third-line center. Yeah. Got a really deep playoff team, and that's... It used to be such a war of attrition. My God, like... Like it is now, cause guys block shots and they get hurt random ways and stuff. But the hitting back then was ridiculous. So I mean, like if you if you didn't have three good centers, you had no chance because one of them would be playing hurt by the final for sure. So yeah.
0: yeah. And I mean, like, they were definitely loaded up on sorry, I think I misstated it at one point. I, I did say Langoverner was traded to Jersey, but later I I implied he wasn't. He was traded to Dallas. He was traded to Jersey. So like, you know, they they got two two-way players and they go up Arnett who was never known for that side of his game, right? Yeah. Exactly. Arnett was like a very steady he was never a star offensive player, but he was a very steady offensive player for his whole career. Eventually we were probably going to talk about him cuz he played for so damn long. Well. Um but like was never like a, a shutdown guy. Um it's it honestly like it's easy to see in hindsight that this is a steal for jersey, but even in retrospect Dallas must have thought very highly of Barnett and and thought that they were gonna do something with him as their second line and, and that New was done. So was that
1: because... was that the 2003 Jersey team that won? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I'm going completely off memory here, but I'm pretty sure I've seen the goal within the last year watching a bunch of old hockey highlights. They must have thought very hardly of Jason Arnott because I'm pretty sure he's the guy who scored to beat them in game six in overtime. Well, know. there you go.
0: It's the classic, like, this guy beat us, so therefore he's better. Yeah. So also, like,
1: <laughs> also,
0: you know, Neuendijk was 35. Yes, It was a safe bet. It should have been a safe bet on their part that he was over. And it's also yeah. worth noting, as you were saying, Bill, about this whole, like, veteran, you want these veteran players in your lineup, the Leafs later made a bet on Dyke the same way, right? Like the Leafs signed him um, to, to be their third or even fourth line center. I don't remember um, on a very, very old Leafs team. Yes. And he actually put up 50 points in 64 games pre-lockout, which is something. Um, but like the Leafs, the Leafs in that last year, they were like, they were doing exactly what you're talking about. They loaded up on veteran players to back mats. Yeah, You know, so they had Newendike, they had Roberts, they had Owen Nolan, um, they had McGillney. uh, I guess Ron Francis was the next year or did we get trade from that year? I don't remember. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So Ron Francis they traded for Ron Francis. who was 40 <laughs> and it was the fourth line center in the playoffs I, that year. I,
1: I remember a lot of the jokes about like, you know, the Leafs nursing home and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Imagine but that. Had, true. Imagine that had been the way that the internet works today. Yeah. Was, yeah. Like, the amount of memes that would have been flying around about the old Leafs Like it would have been incredible.
0: We were so old that year. It was ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, they, they tried to do the same thing. It didn't work, though. New Indig actually had a, a, a fantastic uh, playoff for the Leafs that year. Uh, that's a, another story. Um, so his accomplishments. He has three awards, uh, only two of which we usually take seriously, which is the Conn Smythe in 99 and the Calder in 88. And then he also has the King Clancy in 95. So it's hot take time. I've hinted that this is coming for ages and you've hemmed and hawed every time I brought it up. (laughs) My take is that there is no way in hell that Joe Newendik deserved the 1999 Smythe. It's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. And I have a case. I swear I have a case. Here's the case. He was given it because he scored 11 goals and 11 goals in 1999 in the playoffs was a lot. That seems very impressive. However, let's hear from some other candidates. Ed Belfour, 16-7, and seven, three shutouts, 9.30 save percentage, 1.67 GAA in 1544 minutes, which led the playoffs. Dominic Hasek, two shutouts, 9.39 save percentage, 1.77 GAA in 1,200 minutes. Less impressive in terms of the minutes, save percentage is much better. Hatcher. Uh, not very impressive. I don't know why I brought him up. Uh, Mike Medano, two more points than New Endic, way fewer goals, way more assists. Played 567 minutes in the playoffs, which is a hell of a lot for a forward. 24-40 um, average time on ice. And uh, I should I should make sure to have uh, um, Nguyen Dike's average ice time when, I, when you're challenging me on this. In a moment and then my personal favorite for the award zubov uh he only had 13 points but he played nearly 700 minutes um 30 minutes 16 seconds average time on ice for his playoff run which by the way it should be noted it's the fifth most minutes ever played by a skater in the nhl playoffs since they started tracking ice time he was everywhere he was on the ice all the time. It's Pronger esque. It's Niedermeyer esque. People forget about it. We talked about it when Zub- we talked about Zubov's case for the Hall of Fame. Here is New Indyke's uh, ice time 18 minutes. He had less points than Medano. He played way less than Medano. Medano played, what did I say, 564? 567. New Indyke played 424.
1: Uh, how, how many uh, how many game winning goals did he have? You and Dyke? Yeah.
0: Uh, game winning six.
1: <laughs> well, there's your award right there. Right? Yeah. No, I know. I get that. I Brad Richards' numbers of like every yeah. game was on the line. He's the guy who scored. You know, like yeah. Yeah. that that's what did it for sure. Because otherwise, no. it's the- I know why he
0: was given the award. I just don't agree with it.
1: I. You know what? Before you said that, I was fully on board, and I would have said either Hashik or Zubov, and everybody else is trash. And there's no way, because I'm like Belfort was a great goalie, but he's kind of a product of Dallas's like defensive clutch and grab system.
0: Eight hey, nine thirty is nothing to sneeze at.
1: Yeah, no, I know. But then Hashik's nine thirty nine, and I mean, yeah. this technically isn't even over; they're still playing. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's true. They're still playing right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Point, Riley, there is no Con Smythe winner. Um, <laughs> but then when you said six of his 11 goals are game winners, I mean, come on. Look, like, that's why it's I, he's the guy in everybody's mind because he kept scoring all the clutch goals. Yes. And those days, they were so the goals were at such a premium that if you were that guy scoring all those big goals, you're going to be the guy for sure.
0: But here's the thing hockey is not just goal scoring, it's oh, where. There's both ways, you know, and and I just he wasn't considered the most valuable player on his own team by his coach by a lot, right? He was playing. Uh, let me just look it up. I believe he was playing top six forward minutes that year. And and here's the, here's here's my issue with, and it's the same thing with the Williams Conn Smythe, which we will probably never get to because he didn't necessarily have a case in the Hall of Fame but like it's the same thing it's like there's it's like we're supposed to be moving beyond luck, the the like the fetishization of luck in sports right like the whole point of like the analytics revolution is to realize that like it's the process and that like you're trying to have more better results as a result and in order to do that you try to improve your process when we look at say game winning goals that is listen i'm not denying that Newendyk was a very good player, and 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 given what I'm currently saying, what I eventually say is a case for a Hall of Fame may actually surprise people. But he's still fucking lucky to score <laughs> six game-winning goals in in 18 games or whatever it was.
1: Uh, twenty
0: three, sorry, twenty three games.
1: Um, his
0: ice time, he is he's he's playing second line minutes
1: yeah
0: he's playing second line minutes he's playing so much less than zubov and hatcher and Madano. and even matt vachuk and sador and in like they're brett hull played more than than uh new did, uh, at least per game uh brett hall missed a game um now Hull had fewer goals in part because i mean we probably both agree that new was a more well-rounded player even at this stage Hull was getting better. Um,
1: Well, Brett Brett Hull, if you count it... Wait, did you count all of Brett Hull's uh, time that he spent in the crease? Does that count as ice time?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean that, like, had things worked out a little differently, it could have been Hull with six game-winning goals. I mean, it's my point being is that I think the awards deserve to go for the players who are actually being played the most and contributing the most, and Newendike had the second-most points on the team. Fair enough. And he had the most goals, and he had the, far and away the most goal game-winning goals by, like, leaps and bounds. Like, you know, New- Langeburn had three.
1: So, so maybe the maybe the award then comes down to um, everybody doesn't like Eddie Belfort because he's a complete loose cannon and a bit of a prick. Yeah. <laughs> I think even Eddie Belfort himself would admit that. I don't feel bad saying it at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, a bit, bit of a hothead, so maybe the media didn't love him. Joe Newendike, you know, typical Canadian. I keep my mouth shut. Don't say anything. Uh, yeah. Blah blah. blah. Um, and then Zubov's Russian, so forget that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. This is, but this is why I'm upset because Zubov is not going to Hall of Fame because he doesn't, because he doesn't have a Norris and he doesn't have a Conn I
1: think he'll eventually get there. I hope he does. I I, I hope he does too. He's an excellent defenseman. Line. Yeah,
0: I I think he belongs, and I think this was his Conn to lose. It's multiple
1: and, too, so.
0: And I think. And I think also that, like, Medano had a really good case this year, too, because he led the team in points, and he played a shit ton for a forward. I don't yeah. remember exactly, but, like, um Medano was, like, that the 500 and over 550 minutes in a playoff for a forward is, is elite. I think there's only, like, five or six guys who've ever done it yeah. since they started tracking it. And it's also worth noting that, like, you know, given Neuendijk's stellar defensive reputation, Madano was clearly being played more again because he was reliable defensively, which we talked about in the Dan episode. Anyway, it's all to say that I just don't think Neuendijk deserved it. I get why he got it. And the other thing is, if you're going to give it to the the goals, the guy who leads the, the playoffs in goals every year, do that. Nope. The criteria changes from year to year. Sometimes it's the leading goal scorer. Sometimes it's like, you know... Um, somebody else well, and, and that's what drives me crazy
1: well, what, what they should do is uh, they should award Smythe MVP and they should also award like an Art Ross style playoff yeah
0: and then they wouldn't feel the pressure to give it to the goal scorers or the point getters right?
1: Yeah, to be the same guy then sure fine yeah.
0: whatever yeah, there are years listen most of the years like when Gretzky and Lemieux won the Smythe, they did oh. both and they absolutely deserve both of those things and that's fine but in this case, I just, I'm not convinced. And I understand the game winning goals is really, really compelling. It is. But yeah. to me, it's, it's, it's like, it's luck. And it's, it's
1: why Brad Richards won it too.
0: Well, Brett, no, no, there's a difference. Brad Richards led his team in points.
1: Oh, I know, but like every game he scored in, they won kind of thing too. You know, like he was. But
0: yeah, I get that. Here's the difference Brad Richards led his team in points and he led all forwards on his team and possibly in the playoffs in minutes played. So here's the difference. Neuendijk was nowhere near that in terms of minutes played. Nowhere near. And that's my objection, is that Neuendijk didn't play enough.
1: Well, then how do you feel about the Justin Williams one?
0: I hate it. It's awful.
1: <laughs> it's, <laughs> even
0: wor- it's even worse because he wasn't even as, as good. He, he's, he's got even fewer points, I think. He's third on his team, uh, the Kings that year, I think.
1: <laughs> I, was, I was just trying to piss you off there.
0: Yeah, Copadar, that was Copadar, Or no, sorry, that was Drew Doughty's. Drew Doughty should have had that one. Um, I think it memory serves. Anyway, rant over. Yes. Um, so yes, uh, to that segue to his great teams. Though we didn't mention his. Uh, sorry, we should mention his uh, his offensive accomplishments. So he was only a top ten offensive player once, but he did score fifty goals twice. Um, he never had a hundred points though. Um, first team all rookie. Never even a first or second team all star, which is really surprising to me. Um. And then his great teams uh he was as we just talked about the mvp of the 99 stars he was a top six forward on the uh 2000 stars who almost won and he was a top six forward on the flames who did win and he was a top nine forward on the doubles who won and then he also had um success as a role player in the olympics in 2002 and um that's about it he had he was a top three forward on a runner-up in the world championships but he didn't play a lot internationally partly because he was in the playoffs all the time Newndyke was on good teams for a very long time
1: he was and while he was a big part of those good teams too though yeah, right? yeah. Luck, luck that he ended up on those good teams he was a driver of a lot of that stuff yeah um, that flames team by the way was unbelievable I mean
0: yeah Newende was like like fifth or sixth in points on that team or something
1: like, so Newenndyke's a Hall of Famer Gilmore's a Hall of Famer McInnes. Um, McInnes is a Hall of Famer. Vernon
0: might have a case.
1: Vernon might have a case.
0: McDonald. Lanny McDonald was a role player.
1: Lanny McDonald was a role player. Um,
0: Suter, we talked about his case. He had a, he, he had a case. We didn't agree that he blocked.
1: Theo Fleury. Oh,
0: yeah. Fleury, shit.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the, seriously, they were...
0: Joe stacked. Joe Mullen? Was Joe Mullen still yeah,
1: on the team? Joe Mullen was on the team, yeah.
0: Yeah, Jesus.
1: I mean... Where that played those that was the first playoffs I watched a ton of yeah how yeah. I became a Canucks fan because I saw them almost knock out the Flames in round one and I was like man I love those guys they're awesome like just you know sort of got on board with the underdog and I'm like I'm from there yeah um, yeah, yeah but like that Flames team when once they got rolling man they were so damn good like deep and just every line had somebody who could really do stuff they had you know big tough guys who could uh, you know Joel Otto and, and his famous skate. Um, yeah you know, like, they they really, like, it, they were deep. I, the, the fact that they didn't win more Cups is just because the Oilers were there. If it wasn't for the Oilers, yeah. I think they win minimum two, maybe three Cups. Well, they were in two finals. Yeah, well, they went to two finals only when they managed to sneak through the juggernaut that was the Oilers. Yeah. And ran into the Habs of both times. And Patrick Roy, yeah. one of the best goalies, if not the best goalie of all time. Those yeah. four guys. They should yeah. have minimum three Cups.
0: So... I, i'm gonna have a weird opinion here which is that even though i argue vociferously that he didn't agree uh, didn't deserve the con smythe i think he belongs
1: oh yeah
0: and I, I just i have two reasons one reason is because i think anyone who is 19th all time in goals when they retire should be in all of him um, and secondly because i think that we don't have the possession stats, but I do believe he was a strong defensive player at the end of his career, and that's not really captured in his stats.
1: I, I think so. I, watched,
0: I watched him. I thought he was good, um, and I think that his offensive accomplishments sort of don't highlight that at all. <laughs> and uh, unlike Le Cavalier, who like Le Cavalier's peak is better than Newendikes, but Newendike had a more consistent, a longer career, yeah. and um, I think was just an all around better player yeah um for longer yeah, and you know like how was hands down better but Le- like new never had a year like Le Calvier ever did uh like look is best too but uh
1: look at players he played behind yeah uh, career you're like okay so this guy could have been a number one center other places and had way better offensive stats but maybe yeah. in those cups but instead he's the second line center behind doug gilmore like okay yeah. um you know, and then, Medano. and then Medano, and you could argue that you could even argue like he, maybe he was just as good as either one of those guys, you know, like maybe not yeah. off, but certainly as an all-around player, um, you know, he goes to Jersey, uh, he goes to, you know, the Maple Leafs and scores at a tremendous rate behind Matt Sundin. So, yeah. you know, I guess you could make an argument like, well, yeah, he wasn't drawing the number one defensive pairings all the time, but I also think that Those teams probably aren't successful without having a guy like Newandike, who really is a number one center, playing as a number two center for most of his career.
0: The other thing is that Newandike often faced off against the other teams.
1: Exactly, he was right. So, doesn't mean it's not pairing necessarily, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you can make an argument, maybe like, oh, he's never a true number one center, but I think you are really you're at that point you don't like him and you're trying to keep him out.
0: Yeah. My issue is more that he was inducted so damn quickly. And I think that's because of the Conn Smythe and Calder, right? I think people look, they saw those three awards, they saw two of them are legit. They saw multiple cups, they
1: saw a gold medal, I
0: mean... Yeah, they saw three cups, they saw a gold medal, and they're like, has to be in. And and then meanwhile, they're hemming and hawing over Eric Lindros. (laughs) And you're like, wait a minute, something's backwards here, guys. Like, Newendick was very good. He was never remotely offensively on the same page as someone like that. Or or Bray or whatever. And yeah. it's just so like to me, the the annoying thing about Newendick was he was inducted like right away. Yes. And much like Matt's, I mean, I think people can you know, a couple episodes ago we talked about Matt's and people can like gripe about that too. Yeah. Matt's was inducted really quickly for how good his career was. But like New is like guys, there were guys who were like were out there who were available who you're like, I'm putting this guy in first. And you're like, and you're doing it because of three cups and a gold medal, like you said, and the cons might. And it's like, I think we're both on the same page. Cups have a lot to do with your, with luck in terms of being drafted by the right team or traded to the right team. And yeah. fortunately for New he was drafted by a, an amazing flames team. And then he was traded to Dallas right as they were rising. And he was a big part of them rising. Yeah, But like, He was lucky that he didn't end up, you know, he didn't stick on the flames through their worst, like the 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 late '90s, you know, which very lucky for him, and that he, you know, he he only ended up on like a shitty team at the very very end of his career when he was on Florida. Yep. And that was a choice.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, He made that choice, I think, probably because no one else would sign him. But
1: uh, well, it's uh, anyway, but you know, well, a a lot of uh, a lot of getting inducted immediately also. Uh, you know, has to do with wearing a certain blue and white jersey. At some yes, point. Yeah, ab-
0: absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, that helped. So, that, absolutely, it didn't help Lindros. I
1: mean I, well, the Hall of Fame is right down the street. We might as well put him in now. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, we're both a yes, I think. We're a solid yes, despite deal. my ranting about the Conn which I still think Zub- should have been Zuboffs. Um,
1: even if he doesn't have that award, he's still
0: going in. So. Yeah, no, he's no, and and that's what I'm saying. He's absolutely going in without it. I just think I I I wish they'd given it to someone. I would have taken Modano, Zuov, probably all four of the guys I mentioned. Uh, not Hatcher, but like Hasich, all four. I think they all have better cases than
1: never. he Never. I I hate that he even touched the cup. I hate that guy
0: so much. Who? <laughs> Darian Hatcher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, he just, and he also he, he missed games too, so like you oh, can't yeah. right away. You can't give. And Zuba was just
1: to me that guy's good because of the era that he played in and the fact that he was willing to like just cross check people. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: No, I, I, you're 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 preaching the choir. There we go. Good. Um. All right. Lastly, we have Jack Adams, who was inducted as a player, which may or may not be a surprise by the time (laughs) we get through everything he did. Um. But as as we said at the beginning, is more known as a coach, a GM the uh coach of the year award namesake yeah so he played in the nhl from 1917 to 1927 with a brief trip to the pcha for three seasons um he he played for seven years in the nhl only four of those are quality by uh modern standards of points per game but it's worth noting that the league was a very different place and it was originally very open offensively and then a lot tighter later um, all-time, his numbers when he retired were 15th in goals, 22nd in assists, 16th in points. So, you know, he, has, he does have a case. Um, 19th all-time in goals per game, 22nd in points per game. 82 game average of 54 points. Uh, playoffs, they barely played. He has two points in 10 games, which is mostly at the end of his career. Um, he, he was actually traded for Corb Denny, who we just talked about.
1: Oh yeah. Good old Corb.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was traded back into the NHL for, for Corb. Um, he was also traded for cash twice. So they're not very interesting trades, but the Corb trade was uh, one for one and uh, it was league to league, which is something that obviously doesn't happen anymore. It's very weird. <laughs> he was uh, a pretty good PCHA player.
1: A Very uh, good.
0: Yeah. He, uh, he had three season. only there three seasons, but he was among the best players while he was there for two of those seasons and led the league in goals and points one of those seasons. So he was good in the pHA CHA at its end. He was traded back in the NHL and the rest of his NHL career was less good. Mm-hmm. Um, though it's not as, it's not terrible. He actually had a, his, ba- sorry, I apologize. He had his best years in the NHL when he first got traded back and then they sort of petered it. Um, he was, he had, he had, uh, four good years in the NHL out of seven, as I said, uh, scored 20 goals twice. Um, he is probably inducted because, uh, he was, he won the cup twice and he was on, um, that millionaire's team that, uh, challenged for multiple cups.
1: Yes. And, uh, in fact, uh, he played in two Stanley Cup series for Vancouver, and they lost both in five games. So yeah. in those days, it was a five-game series. Yeah. Uh, and he was the star of the 1922 series, and he scored six goals in five games. Yeah. So, I mean, that's sort of, you know, again, that like you performed in the playoffs, sort of like you become this legendary figure because that's what people remember the most. So. Absolutely. Yeah, right there. That's how his rep as a player yeah. was born.
0: And I think that that's... That's what it is is he was a star in the PCHA, he came back to the NHL and he had a bit of a few good years and then he eventually did uh, he, he had already won a cup when he was first in the NHL, but then he won a second cup mm-hmm. um, at the end of his career. I, it might have even been his finals, yeah, it was his final season and he retired right afterwards. So again, good strong narrative credentials, right? like yep. retire after you win a cup, your second cup.
1: Yeah.
0: I just I look at his resume and I go like it's he it was good. Yeah. I just don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if we can find other people with similar resumes who were um you know uh who were better who are not in the uh, in the hall of fame. Um yeah. well and-
1: he he came back, he played for the Toronto St. Pats and he uh he led them in scoring the year before he retired. So um there's something to be said for that as well. It's almost at the end of his career, and he led a team in school. Yeah, yeah, the,
0: yeah in 26. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and no, listen, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not i am on the fence. I just, I think he's a little more borderline than a lot of the guys we've talked about who were inducted. And and a couple guys we talked about who were inducted, we were like, we haven't even talked about a couple guys. We were like, Jesus, they don't even have a case, and we haven't even bothered to talk about them. But a few guys we talked about who were inducted we were like, yeah, I don't know. And this this guy for me is I don't know, and the reason is is because you know we're talking about ten years, and uh, ten seasons in the pros, and like a couple of those were very dominant. Yeah, and and we got to remember these leagues were like four teams. Yeah, and and so I don't know, like I, I I'm I'm not sure I'm 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 willing I like like you always say Bill, I'm not sure I'm willing to bump him out, yeah, because he's in already but if we were rewriting the book and we were starting from scratch i don't i would have to like look at his comparables more yeah i'm not sure because like when you're talking about like 15th all time 16th all time it sounds really impressive until you remember it's 1927 <laughs> there haven't been that many players you know 15th all time in goals in 1927 is like well mm-hmm, there's only four teams in the league yeah and and the rosters are seven or eight guys it's like yeah. maybe uh, so I don't know I'm I'm very much on the fence um and that's one of the reasons why I was actually glad when you said we should go with Adams with these two guys because I feel like as much as I agree I, I agree with you that new and deck belongs I think all of them have like you can argue
1: all of them I think so yeah
0: and and so I think Adams fits in in that sense that they're all centers they're all centers who score goals more than they pass though obviously Adams that's a product of his era yeah. um but it's like, I think you can fight over all three guys. I think uh, I know where I stand personally on all, uh, well, except for Adams. I don't know where I stand on Adams. I'm really not sure what to do with him. I don't know. I mean, he obviously deserves to be in for his coaching career.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. He, like, no, no matter what, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's just does yeah. he deserves to be in as a player. So yeah,
0: Do you have you have strong feelings about
1: him? I don't I just feel like if he was able to compete for the cup multiple times both from you know the Vancouver Millionaire side and from the Toronto side, you know, win some cups, uh, you know, finished his career the second last year of his career and he's the leading scorer on the Toronto St. Pats, feels like he was a good player for his entire career.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's fair.
1: It, it's it's so hard to tell back then because we just have no idea of knowing like, yeah, maybe this guy only scored 83 goals, but you should have seen all the stuff he did on the ice. That, yeah. could and it's like, well, we have no way of knowing if the voters thought he was good enough to put him in as a player before he was, I guess, before they thought about putting him in as a coach. I yeah, say- I don't know. I mean,
0: uh, he was already one of the greatest coaches of all time when he was inducted, right? Yeah. So, you know to what degree they're like Jack Adams should go, and he had a pretty good career, and he looked at how good a coach he is, right? Like, I don't know how much that factored into it.
1: Hey, I'm, I'm sure it did. I'm sure. it there are a lot of them who are like, doesn't it seem a shame that that guy's not in as a player, too? Because he's a pretty good player. Like, eh, let's throw him in there. You know? Yeah.
0: Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I, that's so I do wonder about some of the guys who we've talked about who haven't been inducted yeah. yet. Not so much like Corb Denny, but like some of the other guys. Like maybe, I can't remember now about Odie Clayhorn, but it's people like that, I guess, where you're like, you wonder if they had success in other things, too, that they might have been considered as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Cavalier, yeah or nay?
1: Yeah, uh, grudgingly nay. I, w- I, I want to make a case for him, but I don't think I can.
0: All right. I'm a nay, too. New Dyke. Yep. Yeah, me, too. And then Adams.
1: I don't see a reason to kick him out, so I'm going to give him a yay. All
0: right. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page, I, I think. No reason to kick him out. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's all for us. next. And next time we're going to – well, we haven't quite figured it out, but it might be a Flyers episode, and it might be a Centers episode. We haven't quite discussed it but we will figure it out and then we will be back. With another one in in a, in a little bit cuz we're both we're going to a beer festival in Vermont together.
1: Yay beer festival. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so thanks everyone
1: for listening and we will see you next time. Take care.